0: Hello, East Glenville Community Church. This is Jessica Munn with episode 25 of So I Have a Question. Uh, today we're talking about a uh, Palm Sunday teaching. So this is Sunday, uh, April 10th, 2022. And uh, hi, Mitch. You're here. Hey,
1: how are you doing?
0: I'm
2: good. And how so, are you?
1: Jessica, I have a question to start off with today. Yes. Is So I did kind of the Palm Sunday story. And went into a lot of detail on, on some of this. And I'm sure you've heard Palm Sunday sermons in the past. And yep. A lot of us have. Was there any of the details that were new to you? Or like, oh, I'd not heard that before.
0: Yeah, so there was a, a couple of small um, things. Well, one was not the you tying, showing where Zachariah got the idea of the Messiah coming in on the donkey. But by showing the difference between. David's son, so King Solomon, who he had chosen, and then Ab Abijah, how do you say his name? Adonijah. Adonijah. Um, and so like the difference of Solomon coming in riding on a donkey and Adonijah coming in on the war horse type of thing. Right. Uh, so yeah, that, that connection was new for me. Um, I think also the, the Psalm 18. 18- the fact that Psalm 118, which is what was, is always quoted is what everyone was saying, that being a Passover psalm, um, mm-hmm. makes so much sense to me that that's why they would be quoting it and why Jesus chose right. that time to, for
2: everything to go down. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. I think the, the only other one that was new was the, I had heard that Hosanna means lord save us. Um but I was confused as to why you would then say hosanna in the highest cuz lord save us in the highest didn't make sense to me. So y- you saying that uh the idea that like it's saying like um like Jesus is from the lord and that he's coming to save us was helpful.
1: Right. That that the salvation is not just another one of them it's coming from above from up up higher highest. Yeah. From the highest levels. Yeah. Yeah, that and that's that's how that makes sense to me. I don't know if that's official teaching or not, but uh yeah. The best explanation
2: okay. I've got.
0: So
1: yeah, I've come to appreciate Palm Sunday. Um I don't know if I when I started off in ministry, I didn't I didn't have much of a sense of, oh, it's when the kids wave the palms. But I've I've heard a couple teachings on it. One one really by an old testament professor. Um, he's a four C's guy named, uh, Gordon Hugenberger. And I listened to some of his stuff. I'm like, Oh, so a lot of those details I got, and it just started to make much more sense to me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and the idea that, that Jesus wasn't intentionally putting himself forward as the Messiah on this date, on mm-hmm. this, at this event.
2: So that's what I want to get across. Yeah. Yeah. Okay
0: but going off of that so I have a question now. All right. Um, So one of the main points you said in the beginning when you were framing kind of the story is that like before the story before the triumphal entry or Palm Sunday whatever you want to call it Jesus like was didn't hide that he was the messiah but he never blatantly said it and he had people discover it and so I was curious as why you think Jesus cared so much about people discovering he was the Messiah for themselves versus him just saying it?
1: Yeah, I think there's a multitude of reasons. It's hard to put one. I, I think it just means more to people when they they come to see it for themselves mm-hmm. versus you hear it as a claim, you argue against it. Mm. But when you see it with your own eyes, even like how John the Baptist, when he was in prison, sent word, you know, to send his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the one who is to come or is, should, should we expect another? And Jesus told them, tell John what you see. Hmm. The, the, the blind are healed, the lame are being healed, you know, the blind see. And it's like, let my actions my words speak for me not not making the claim for myself and so i think that's that's really kind of he what he wants his actions to say it um far more than just putting out a claim and then
2: having people argue with him Mm -hmm. yeah no i think that makes sense um okay so another question like part
0: of why Palm Sunday is such a big deal is because like you're understanding that in the context of the time Jesus lived in everyone was assuming the Messiah to come in with power and might um Mm. and so I was curious like are there like biblical passages in the Old Testament that would have encouraged them to believe that um because obviously we have like It's very obvious he's using Zechariah's prophecy, but I wasn't sure if there was others.
1: You know, yes. And again, there's so many bits of it. Um, I mean, one is he's a son of David. David was a military general,
2: Hmm.
1: you know, as as king. And um, there's uh, Psalm 2 where it says you know i will i will make your enemies a footstool or or something close to that like
2: right. um
1: that 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 god and just the general principle that in order to bring righteousness he would have to deal with all these evil nations that were oppressing his people mm. um do you have any passages that come to mind for you that 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 kind of highlight that uh idea of the the, the mess messiah's power and his his rule
0: um i know that i'm trying to think if there's a specific one i know that there's i've heard of the the concept of how because like there are some prophecies as you say like that talk about that seem almost similar to revelations where it's like Mm. the end times when final justice is served and how, like, you know, people were assuming that when the Messiah came, that would also be at the same time.
2: Yeah. So,
0: so I, I've heard that. I can't remember any passages offhand. Um, I know that there's, we were t- just talking about the the uh, Mess- messianic banquet in Isaiah 25. Um, and that's yeah, pretty strong language.
1: Yeah. And, and that talks about a lot of messianic hints where it says, um, you know, on this mountain, he will make for all peoples a feast of rich food and all, all these good things. And he, but on this mountain, he will swallow up death forever. You know, wipe away tears from all faces. But right in that same passage, it talks about one of their enemies, Moab, being trampled down. Um, it talks about um, defeating ruthless nations and um, destroying for- foreigners' palaces, like the assumption was in order to, to bless the people, God would have to deal with evil mm. in, in these very forceful ways. And I, I think I would have probably been there, you know, assuming the Messiah would come. I don't think any of us could have predicted that he would come and, and submit himself to death. Like yeah. no matter how many times he told the disciples, they just couldn't get that.
2: Mm-hmm. Um
1: it seemed to make no sense.
2: Yeah. You yeah, know, How I does think- How does dying
1: on a cross win you a victory? I don't get it.
0: Right, and, and I think it, a lot of it depends on like, where, where are you focusing on, right? If you're focusing on, if you're focusing on the fact that the people, the nation of Israel is suppressed by the Romans, right? And kind of the like, well, we're being oppressed, therefore like it's the oppressors who are the ones who need to be dealt justice. Yeah. Jesus looked at the heart and said, like, sorry, all of us, like oppressors or the oppressed, we all need a heart fix.
1: Um, Right. Because they could see very clearly how the Moabites and the Ammonites and the Syrians were all doing them wrong. Right. You know, looking back to Isaiah's prophecy. And so that if God is going to bring righteousness, obviously he's going to deal with them. But very few of us, none of us really can look at our own hearts and say oh yeah if he's going to deal with evil he's got to deal with me because mm-hmm. i have it here too and that, that's the insight that i think the gospel brings yeah so part of this is slipping into what i'm talking about this coming sunday like how <laughs> does jesus death fix things how how does that even make sense and um yeah
0: okay well then we'll try not to slip too much further into it don't want to right yeah it don't
1: want to i don't want to give away the ending right? (laughs) Maybe Easter will be a surprise for somebody.
0: (laughs) Okay. Um, So I was curious, and this is kind of a historical curiosity question. Do you know of any other Jewish leaders who tried to use the Zechariah prophecy and like purposely came in on a donkey?
2: I don't. That's a great question.
1: I know there were other false messiahs, Um, but as far as how they portrayed themselves that way, I, I, that would be very interesting. You'd have to know a lot of specialized history.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, there's no mention. I mean, the big thing that happened was what they celebrated at Hanukkah, where the Maccabees rebelled against the, um, at the time it was Greek type Hellenistic, Mm -hmm. um, oppressors and god gave them victory and judas maccabeus but i don't know if he ever even claimed to be king or messiah so i don't know if uh, that's they talk about the lamp that didn't go
0: out
2: Um,
1: so no on that one i'm stumped
0: okay i was just curious because i had heard about the maccabees and i was almost curious as to whether he would have done something like that
1: yeah but i've listened to the histories of that stuff and no one's ever mentioned a mule or a donkey Okay. So I can't say for sure, but at least it's not prominent in the story.
0: Right. Um, but speaking of the, the mule or the donkey, so like Jesus specifically went out and asked for an unbroken pole. Like, is there something specific about why, like it had to be a foal that hadn't been ridden on?
1: Well, again, it's in Zechariah's prophecy. With it. um he will humble and mount it on a donkey on a colt the foal of a donkey and and so i think the idea that it had not been ridden before
2: mm-hmm.
1: um in i guess i think in the minds of people that would have a different sense of i know when so when when solomon rides in on you know david has put him on my mule mm. So the ownership of the mule mattered, it seemed. And so in this way, if no one has ridden the donkey before, then Jesus riding it is, it's a unique thing. There, there's no one that could say, well, I sent him in. He's, he's coming in sent by God. Mm. That's my best guess on that. Um, Sounds like a
0: good one.
1: Yeah, I'm good at guessing things.
0: I won't tell anybody. But, uh,
1: have you ever have you ever ridden a donkey or a mule?
0: No. I've yeah, just the horse, That's the closest I've gotten.
1: One time we did a uh, Grand Canyon trip. And I don't, I can't remember if I we I don't think we went all the way down.
2: Okay. So
1: I was I remember being younger and we rode we did the mule ride down into the canyon. And man, those donkeys ride walk on the very edge of the It freaked me out like i I told him next time i just want to hike and so we the next time we went we did just hike so i didn't i didn't ever want to ride those again
0: i heard they're not that like comfortable to ride
1: i don't remember yeah i I don't i just remember being very tired at the end and all that but but it was being freaked out by feeling like you're going to topple over because you're going back you're doing this and like you feel like you could just go right over the edge so no, anyways, that's my one meal experience
2: um,
1: yeah i don't know how what it'd be like riding one into a major city with crowds cheering for me that that's that's a little different
0: maybe we'll have to give you a second meal experience
1: there you go there you go that's, <laughs> I, I will from now on every sunday i'm going to enter that way and you know, <laughs> yeah. oh
0: man Okay, so there was, there was something that caught my attention kind of as, as you were giving your sermon. So, you know, I've heard a bunch of different talks about Palm Sunday, because it happens every year, um, obviously. But one of the things that I often hear people focus on is the fickleness of the crowd, and how like, they go from, you know, one day, they're all praising and exalting Jesus to the next, they're shouting crucify him. But I'm almost wondering if that was less the case, because you mentioned how most of the people who would have been walking in and shouting with Jesus would have all been his followers and disciples from Nazareth. And I'm assuming that a lot of the crowd that was probably shouting crucify him would have been the like full-time residents in Jerusalem and maybe like all the people who had just heard about Jesus for the first time and just saw him take over the place.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean I, I think there were likely people caught up in it on Palm Sunday who didn't know much. True. And you know his, the followers from Galilee would have been you know the ones maybe instigating the the all the stuff. And so some but then others are like hey it's a, it's a parade let's you know and that's where I think you'd have the fickleness of like mm. um some some that don't have knowledge, but they they enjoy the show or the enthusiasm or the or even just the hopefulness. Like, could this really be? And um, I mean, it. I think one of the fair points in the whole story is is that um, is is how mob thinking, you know, crowd thinking, right? And right. Jesus does not let himself get caught up in that. That. You know, when part of the story we didn't get to, it, it talks about how after all this, he went outside the city and he wept mm-hmm. because he knew ultimately the city would face judgment because they would reject him, and one day, you know, the city would be destroyed. And so, um, it's it's that Jesus didn't let it go to his head, even even as he was instigating it, you know, for his purposes.
2: Right. Yeah. And I guess an, another question I have is, like, did the Pharisees
0: have a good reason to be skeptical uh, or indignant of Jesus? Like, or were they just being jerks?
1: Well, first of all, can I clarify the question? Yes. You said Pharisees. Um in this account, it's not the Pharisees, the
2: Sadducees? it
1: is the chief priests and teachers of the law. Now, some of the teachers of the law may have been Pharisees,
2: but, but
1: the Pharisees were, were a minority. And the, I think the Pharisees seem to be the group that, that are jerks in Galilee a lot. Right. They were the synagogue rulers or the ones who, they were all about the Torah, right? The, mm-hmm. if, if you remember a sermon I did way back, uh, Team Torah. Yes. Was the Pharisees. Um, so they were the law people, but the the rulers of the temple, it's a whole different group, and a lot of them would have probably been in the Sadducees camp. Now, you know, I know I most people probably don't care. Sadducees, I don't, you know what it doesn't on on that level the 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 religious leaders. I mean, yeah, they should have been indignant in a way. Like, as, if if any person would have come in and did what Jesus done, they should they would be kicked out.
2: Hmm.
1: Now, did they give any real consideration that could he actually be the one? Did they give it any thought to because they had heard reports? They had sent up people to test out Jesus. Right? Were they willing to even consider might? god actually do it might he really send a messiah and and that seems to be that they didn't even investigate instead they just said who are you to come into our temple and criticize us
2: Mm
1: -hmm. and so so in one sense i get why they would be indignant um if a if a a different preacher came into my church and started flipping over the, um, the sound equipment. Cause they said, you know, you know, my house is called to be a house of prayer and yet you've made it into a rock and roll concert, you know, or something like that. I'd be indignant and, and I'd have the ushers escort him out. Um, but if, if he was the true and rightful preacher, I you know, I'd, like, that's the thing is, did they, did any of them think about, And apparently one did or two, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: right? Nicodemus and Josephus were the only two that spoke up for him. Yeah. So, but the rest went along with, nope, we have our power base. It's, it's not really about God. It's about
2: our, our rights or, or whatever. Right. Mm. Yeah. So kind of. The way you closed this talk on Sunday, uh, you
0: used an analogy about how the Jesus needs to be in control of our life or king of our life. Um, and I've heard okay. several. Yeah, I've heard several over the years. Um, but often it's something like, you know, is it you or Jesus in the driver's seat? Yeah. And I thought it was interesting that in your analogy, you specifically talked about how, like people, when you ask people, they assume that they're the ones on the throne, but in reality, it's some, something else always takes over, and so I was wondering if you could just kind of dive into that a little bit more, and maybe if you know why that is, or why we seem always so blind,
2: or that we just assume it's us in control when it's not. Well, um, I mean, I think we all want to be in control of our life, and just,
1: and maybe some people kind of are strong-minded enough
2: to be, but it's so easy to get ruled by our passions. Hmm. Um, yeah. I. Let me throw it back to
1: you. Does that, that analogy make sense? Like, do, do you think most people end up being ruled by something else and, and what do they get ruled by? What have you seen?
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it makes sense. I think to me, it kind of reminded me of when, uh, like, you know, I think it's Paul who says like, we are no longer safe to sin, but safe slaves to Christ. Like like, the same idea of their, like, you know, our passions and desires take control of us. Um, and yeah, I'm trying to think of what, I mean, there's, you know, there's the the typical stuff everybody thinks of of like you know looking for comfort and prosperity um like either financially or just like you know trying to find the perfect life type of god sorry the perfect life type of thing um
2: yeah so i i think of how there's a great book called the firm
1: and they made a movie of it and it's it's about a lawyer who gets hired, young lawyer out of college, gets hired into this great firm, and he's making all kinds of money.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And they they ply him with all kinds of things that he's comfortable with a house, his wife is happy. And only later does he find out that he's working for the mom. And the idea is that they get you such that you're so used to the lifestyle and the luxuries that then you can't make a change.
2: Mm-hmm. And so
1: that the next thing you know you're you're part of the you're part of the whole corrupt system. And I think that happens in a lot of venues. Mm-hmm. Right? You you get used to all that stuff and and you can't it's hard then to to quit it. So it it in the end it, it rules over you, not you over it. Yeah. And um So, and whether that's, you know, it might be comforts, but just could be your drive. You know, I will get to the top. I will, you know, I, and then you break all your relationships. What it comes down to is no matter what it is, we end up being very bad kings of our own life. We, we mess it up. And the point being is that there is one who, who would be better at ruling our life than we would. If we're willing to trust, trust our life in his hands. So that's the point I kind of wanted to get across. um, That it's not just this history lesson about, you know, a guy who should have been accepted as king, but wasn't. Mm
2: -hmm. It, It really is. It gets into our life. Yeah. Do you see any other applications from, from the Palm Sunday story? Putting me on the spot.
1: <laughs> or deflecting the spot for myself.
0: <laughs> Fair. Um, I think maybe, I don't know from the Palm Sunday story in general, but maybe just like this conversation, like mm-hmm. the fact that like it is good. What is it? Everybody always talks about the Bereans and Acts and how they, you know, when Paul came and started preaching there they looked into the scriptures themselves and then determined that what he was saying was true and it's always like you know check check and make sure everything is biblical and godly and like realizing that you know that was really like the fact that the sadducees were questioning jesus wasn't the issue it was the fact that they weren't willing to like even consider that jesus could be right right and I, I think that that's another another good lesson and takeaway of the, like, if we're not open to letting God change us, even if he uses, like, you know, a carpenter from Nazareth that people are saying is a prophet and the Messiah, right. then we're not actually open to God changing us.
1: And they could have said, you know, Jesus, you're right. We have let our desire to 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 make as much profit from this thing. Mm -hmm. as we can to 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 be in charge and we've we've made it so that the the gentiles can't worship you know can you imagine them having humility to say that like yeah not many leaders would
2: no
1: um so
2: so yeah I, i think it are we willing to be challenged on things and
1: um that's a sign of whether we're willing to hear from God.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. So I have another question. Yep.
1: How many of the superhero aliases could you name? Did you, did you know any of them? I, 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 I know your movie watching is much, much more limited than mine.
0: I knew some of them. Um, yeah
1: if you don't know who Clark Kent is then you
0: right yeah yeah no Peter Parker Clark Kent Um, oh of course See, I'm just bad at names in general too so it was like you know Batman Superman Spider-Man like the very stereotypical very well-known ones I could get And I
1: specifically pick some like I don't know how many people know Scott Lang there's Ant-Man if you watched it maybe but even if you watched it you wouldn't remember it because it doesn't
2: yeah
1: and i i would have uh, if i hadn't looked it up i'd have never known arthur curry was aquaman that that was that was intentionally meant to get people Mm
0: -hmm. oh and i did give it mr incredible so
1: oh you knew that one i knew that one okay see there you go i thought everyone would all the kids focused on dc and marvel would they wouldn't think of one outside the box but yeah yeah, I, I I mean, I, that whole idea of that intro was just the idea that Jesus, there was definitely a shift mm-hmm. from, you know, downplaying even his miracles to now all of a sudden, for the first time, he accepts the adulations of the crowd,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? You see that it, this is done on purpose in this final week.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, And the, I mean, the question I have is, was Jesus basically trying to spur his own crucifixion that that seems to be an interpretation like he he entered in a way that he knew would provoke Mm -hmm. the the religious leaders and yeah like if he would have entered more in a different way would that have done it
0: yeah because i mean there was it wasn't the first time he had been in jerusalem right because he had gone previous feasts right and he he entered differently or said he wasn't going and then would just show up secretly
1: right yeah he he came in kind of more normally right in times past um but so this this is the first time he, he made an entrance kind of a thing
0: right yeah no i i think that i mean he jesus is the first one who would always say like my time has not yet come and so I feel like he definitely knew that. And even if he didn't know, it was the, like, you know, the start to the end. He he knew that yeah. he was not giving them a way out. They would have to deal with him. And it would yes. either be his death or it would be following him, which.
1: That's a good way to say it. He, he wasn't going to give them a way out. Mm-hmm. They, that that
2: they That the time for neutrality was over. And isn't that something that, like almost
1: like because I think a lot of people try to say try to find that neutral point mm-hmm. with, with Christ like you know well yeah yeah I'm I'm pro Jesus I'll, I'll put in my church time um but I don't know about you know I'm not gonna be a preacher or nothing not mission you know like I think people try to find that neutral spot
2: mm-hmm.
1: and say they're not against Jesus they're just not gonna crazy with it all And doesn't at some point Jesus bring us to that moment of decision in some way?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even Mm. like,
0: even in my own life, just the like, you know, if he points out something and says, like, this has to go, right? Like, you don't get much. Like, once he makes it obvious, it's hard to try to wiggle your way out of it because you're either then just saying,
2: like, no, I'm not going to listen to you, or you're saying, like, yes, I'll do it yeah Hmm. well this week yes
1: (laughs) is we are uh moving forward so thursday night we'll we'll recount the events that take place after um the last supper Mm -hmm. you know and then go all the way to the cross that night and then of course sunday morning um and I'm going to do that. The passage we're going to do on on this Easter Sunday is the known as the Emmaus
2: passage. Okay. Where Jesus comes to his disciples in a very different way. Nice. Yeah. Any other questions? Do we got? I don't got any more. So. Okay, I
1: kind of did the wrap up, I guess.
2: <laughs> you did. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, as always, Pastor Mitch.
1: All right. Thanks, Jess.